intellect, strength for your spirit, balm for your heart. The Healing and Peace Show with Thomas Schmier, LMFT, where you get wise counsel based on sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and sound science. The Healing and Peace Show, your Catholic guide through the trials of life. Are you a Catholic single looking for sound advice on dating and courtship? Or maybe you're a Catholic parent looking for ways to teach your children how to apply Christian principles to dating. Either way, today's guest has the answers you're looking for. He's an author, entrepreneur, and a longtime advisor to Christian singles. He has over 20 years of experience working online Christian dating customer service, and that's given them tons of insight into the issues facing Christians who desire to find that one right person, that person with whom to fall in love and have a happy marriage and family. His most recent book, The Body Language of Lasting Love, covers the proper use of the five senses in Christian dating. I'm thrilled that he's agreed to join us today. <laughs> Anthony Buono, welcome to the Healing and Peace Show. Thank you, thanks for having me. It's really exciting for me, uh, my viewers, listeners by now know that, uh, you know, know, know somewhat about my journey and that I'm happy to be married to uh, whom I'm married to. And you, you had a lot to do with that. And the people I've been having on the show have a lot to do with that. Um, now, I got introduced into the whole, uh, I found out about, I, I believe you founded Ave Maria Singles, is that? Yes, that's right. That's uh, 1998. 1998. <laughs> <laughs> and I found out about Ave Maria singles because of there were these Catholic single cruises someone told me about. So that's how I even found out about it. And uh, so oh, that, were you on any of those? I didn't go on any of them. Oh, uh, you really missed out. Those I, were the oh, best. <laughs> does anyone get married who goes on those? Do they meet? The oh, person? yes. Yeah. Oh, there's so many great stories. Absolutely, yes. Oh, they, great. They've had, I mean, I've. Probably, probably every cruise we had, at least one couple developed out of it. One cruise, there were three that, that developed out of it. So, wow, yes, cool. they work. They work. But mostly what it did was give people a lot of, I mean, just the concentration of uh, being with like-minded single people, you know. So I know the expectation's always high for people to meet someone, but... When when the, when they were able to just back out of that expectation, they could just relax and have a good time with just all those people who share the common faith. And uh, and uh, where else are you? I, I always felt like where else are you going to do that? I mean, aside from a conference hall, I suppose. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. So I'm sorry you never got to go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it, well, it, well, it didn't matter. You you met so you I, you met your wife. Yeah, it worked out. The the Ave Maria singles, I think, stood out or stands out from the other dating sites that it the people on that website seem to be more, be more orthodox. They they seem to believe in all the teachings of the church, like throughout the whole site in general. Does that mm. seem? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's because I mean I know the other sites have those people as well, but. You get a lot of the hodgepodge, I would say. You get a lot of mixture of non-serious people in the other sites because um, 
I think you know the the whole idea of a pre-trial period and what have you always um, it always created a lot more work than was necessary. So I early on adopted the uh, the high membership fee that you pay right off the bat before you see anybody, and it was a great way of just keeping non-serious people off. So I think the reason why people experienced this concentration of so many people who were, took their faith seriously and took the pursuit seriously was because they knew everybody was in the same boat paying that fee up front, that big, that, that bigger fee, which really is, was, it, it's not that it was cost more, it's just that you paid all at once. On the other sites, you pay monthly, six months, a year, and you're on there, and you're on there, and you're on there. With, with Ave Maria Singles, you pay once, and that's it for as long as it takes between yeah. you and God to work it out. Good structure. So, yeah, it was a great way to to filter out the non-serious. That was the main thing. Yeah, really good structure. That makes sense. I never thought of that before. <laughs> the, the thing that really helped me, the sort of product or service that you had that really helped me was the Road to Cana video series, mm. which I purchased. And can people still purchase that? Yeah, I believe Amazon still has it. I mean, it hasn't been hasn't been aired since it originally came out, but it's one of those things where the DVDs or the streaming version it's available on Amazon still. Yeah, and I think I saw on YouTube somewhere that they have little clips. You know, not the whole thing, but some clips. Right. Want to right. taste? Yeah. Exactly. So I purchased the DVD set, and I was leading a theology of the body study group where we were reading the actual audiences of uh, Pope John Paul II, now Saint John Paul II. And at, after we were done with the, the last part of the study group, sort of at the end after we were done reading, we would watch an episode of, of The Road to Cana. And one of the couples uh, got married and they said that was their pre-Cana, was, was that yeah. Joseph. That's excellent. In fact, that's what it was originally intended to be in a lot of ways, was to, to uh, fill in the gaps of where um, modern pre-Cana wasn't, uh, wasn't really uh, tending to. You know, I, I know it's been a while, but um, I don't even know what they do anymore. But when I was going through it, it was just like two days. <laughs> you just two days and you mostly talk about finances and communication and it's like there's a whole lot more to it than that <laughs> prepping so that's wonderful so uh, you benefited from that I think I remember wasn't I there one time somebody this, where, where was this located no, this was in uh it was in at Ontario, California. Oh, okay, okay. There was a group that did a similar thing in Atlanta, and um, they invited me down. I think I talked at one of them, but they did the same thing. So I thought that was an excellent use of it to show right. it and then discuss. Yeah, we had. So it was a small group, and three of us were single, and and we all got married. And then one group uh, was married already. You know. And, I don't remember if they watched that or just skipped out on that or not. It, was, it worked out pretty well for us, I think. That's great. That's great. Wonderful. And this the song, uh, I, this uh, this guy from the study group named Jack and I, we used to love this song. <laughs> the, oh, oh, to Cana. We, we love that song. 
I, I looked on the credits and it looked like maybe you you wrote it or you were in the band that d created it or, or yeah i wrote it and performed it i mean i wish i could have re-recorded it but at the time it was like one of those things where i have an idea and i just whipped it together for the show and so uh i don't know i always liked it too some people hated it some people liked it but that's the nature of music but i'm glad you liked it i i thought it was a yeah i thought it was useful <laughs> i thought it tied in well that with the mood of the uh with the I agree. So those were your vocals? Yeah, I did the whole thing, yeah. Guitar, the bass, the drums. No, 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 you're, you're right. Um, the band I was in at the time, uh, we performed it. I sung it, lead singer and all that, but I, right. the other members contributed too. Yeah. So. Great. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> right. Fun. Yeah. And then, um, so they have... I see that you have a website, Anthony J. Buono. That's a new one to me. I used to go to your Six Stone Jars uh, old blog site, which was yeah, that, yeah. That's that. That's I think that's still up, but I stopped writing on that many years ago because honestly, I said everything that needed to be said, at least mm -hmm. in the blogging component of it. So now I've turned to writing about very concentrated themes as a. Uh, as I have time to do it, mostly I, I finally, finally found a little bit of time that I, this book has been in the works in my mind. I've been wanting to put it out for years because it, I've heard it really was the most popular thing on my blog. Um, people loved the whole I, the, the concept of the five senses and dating and. Um, I don't know. I was like, I got to put this in a concentrated way, you know, not just on on blog posts. So, uh, so that's what I did. So I'm I am planning to do a, a series of uh, other things like that, but uh, this was the first one. But anyway, back to your point, the blog was very useful over the years because as I was working with people, things would come up, and instead of just simply answering people directly, I used the blog as an opportunity to just answer the question and then everyone else could benefit from it. You know, and then it got to the point where the same questions were being asked all the time and I'd just simply direct them to the page on the blog that had that. And then finally, it just was like, I said everything <laughs> I wanted to say, so I stopped writing on and just started directing people to um, the information that's already there. So does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it totally makes sense. It's uh, kind of streamlined, streamlined uh, the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. And now the new website is just simply a landing page to to promote um, this whole new new concept that I have of uh, writing these books for um, the vast Christian market. Because um, as I was telling you as we were prepping for this, the um, what I really found, I mean, even though I worked with Catholics primarily all those years, the the issues they had were mostly at a practical level. I mean, marriage itself is a very practical sacrament. Mm -hmm. I used to tell people this all the time. It's it's really not about um, um, you know specifically catholic things all the time most of the time you're dealing with issues like communication and mm -hmm. finance and uh temperaments and um 
you know, and in this case, body language, it's, it's really just communication and nature, understanding nature, your own nature, and then understanding how to, how to, um, how to notice these things and then how to work with the other person. I mean, these are all things that every human being needs to do, you know, so I'm not, I mean, not after every human being, I'm, but, but there are Christian principles that um, have to be applied to these things. And not, not only Catholic, but for every Christian, I think these things apply to. So I sought to take the knowledge I gained over all those years and uh, try and help Christians at the common denominator level, if that makes sense. There's a common denominator in our, between Catholics and our separated brethren who uh, uh, we all share these things as human beings as we're trying to date and be Christian. So uh, I figured I'd reach out a little broader. Yeah, when I, when I was dating to Mary, I thought all I needed to do was believe in all the teachings of the church and and you know just make sure we have a chaste courtship and i thought then merit will be sailing through marriage <laughs> then i got married and that's when i found yes. out thing you're talking about oh there's more to it isn't there yes 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 and yeah and there's no there, there there's nothing in the catechism that deals specifically with you know how you relate to women if you're a man and how how to relate to a man if you're a woman and these are very very biological things of you know of the natural order and psychology right so mm -hmm. you can't just go to a section of the catechism right and and find these answers yes i, I became a therapist uh basically after i got married <laughs> so, oh okay i didn't know that yeah i i went to school while we were okay. while we were dating and uh, graduated in December of 2008, and then I, I uh, got married in January of 2009. <laughs> but, oh my goodness! Wow! Yeah. Wow, that was a very intense year. It's pretty intense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was pretty good, but it, I had to use that That's... psychology. You know, the psych. What it was learned. Yeah. You know, I had to learn the therapy models for marital therapy and then apply it to my own marriage so i know exactly wow. what you're talking about so is that what you do are you mostly marriage therapy well i do everything so i treat individuals couples families who are in emotional pain okay. and i use the best uh evidence and faith-based therapy models to help mm -hmm. them find greater peace holiness and joy so they can live out their unique vocations to love so that, that's really my focus I gotcha. So I work with kids. I work with families. I, I do it all. Wonderful. Thank you. Gosh, congratulations. That's Appreciate important it. work for sure. Appreciate it. Going to your book. Uh, so it's called The Body Language of Lasting Love. Subtitle, Using the Five Senses to Find the Soulmate God Intends for You. Great title. The, <laughs> the Everyone wants to find the soulmate. You know, that's, that's I know. I I, I think I, I even say it in the in the preface of the book that I, I personally don't believe in soulmates. It's just a catchy thing, you know, the title and I kind of like tongue in cheek it in the book because I really, really believe that there is um, many, many options for anybody, you know, 
then right. it's just a matter of making a free will decision to choose one that you dedicate yourself to among the many possibilities. You could go crazy trying to determine a soulmate. It's like, how do you even know it? And even when people say, oh, I know it's my soulmate, mm-hmm. you know, statistics show that <laughs> Wrong. E- even soulmates have divorce problems, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's kind of a romantic notion, isn't it? A soulmate, a some one person that God's fashioned for me. It's uh, uh but it's not practical. And again, marriage is a practical sacrament, it's a practical lifestyle, it's a practical way to holiness for those who are called to to marriage, which is most people. So um uh, I like the idea of knowing that there are many options, and I've dedicated myself to one. Right, so that's that that concept I think resonates better. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, that that makes it. Uh, um, I think that takes people. I think that takes God off the hook as well. If you know what I mean. Um, in my 20 years of working with single people, I cannot tell you how many people would say, well, she's great, she's holy, she's got a great personality, you know, all these great things, but I don't know. I think God might have somebody else in mind for me, you know, and it's like, what are you crazy? You're waiting for a phantom person when this wonderful person is right in front of you, a gift from God, really. I mean, God puts people in our lives and we're, our job is to notice them mm-hmm. and oh, the excuses. And then they throw God under the bus, you know, to, uh, yeah, God has somebody else in my mind. <laughs> Right. Very convenient, isn't it? <laughs> out of my mind. They got in quotes. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, that was along with the way of talking about soulmate and the title, but um, but 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 the rest of it is uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, I like the idea of uh, the senses. It's um, you know, everything that we learn about a human being or anything in life really has to come through the senses. So uh, it's uh, it's great. It's great to notice how the senses play a role in how we find love. And uh, I guess that's what I attempted to do with the book. Yeah, when you mentioned the five senses, I immediately thought Aquinas's five proofs of God's existence and using the five senses to, that, to come to know creation and through creation we'll know God. Mm-hmm. And I know he was inspired by Aristotle. So it, it just, I thought you had the Catholic mind when you wrote it. I know it's a yeah. Christian book, but yeah. I see Catholicism or that Catholic oh, yeah. be influencing. Yes. Well, let's face it. I mean, us Catholics, those of us who are Catholic understand that all of the deep realities of life, psychological, emotional, physical, are all Catholic, it's meaning universal, right? It's, it's, so all that is always underlying. So, so. What's that? Up for a little bit. Can you can you repeat? Okay. Uh, what I was saying is that those of us who are Catholic understand that all the elements of life in our existence are very the the the, the Catholic faith has the answers for all these things. So um, yes, everything stems from it. But 
you know, as Catholics, we have to reach non-Catholics, whether they're separated brethren and other Christians or uh, non-Christians. Um, we have to reach them where they are. And we understand the elements that are, I mean, everything comes from a Catholic mindset, but uh, as St. Paul did, he had to reach out and meet people where they were in order to bring them in. So, um, but, but I'm not an A, but the things that I do, especially with these books, is I'm not, not trying really to convert anybody. I'm trying to help them understand how to better their relationships. And hopefully the Holy Spirit, and I, I know the Holy Spirit is always working on these people through truths like that, right? So um, I do really believe another Catholic concept, right? That um, grace builds on nature. So if in the natural order you are building truth into your way of life, then grace, the Holy Spirit has the better opportunity to work on you. And that's his job to convert people really in the end. So, uh, yeah, so I see, I think you're right. I mean, I can't help talking from a Catholic foundation, even though I put the wording that is uh, more universal for people to understand and relate to. Yeah. The When I read the book, I thought, you did a good job of, let's say, putting the senses in their proper place in that uh, the senses are good. Yes. And, and the creation is good. And whoever we're dating is good. We're good. Uh, mm -hmm. But don't overindulge kind of thing. Like there's a, there's a moderation to using our senses. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's a very theology of the body related thing. And um, again, very practical. Your senses are the way that you learn and internalize. And so therefore, any kind of love that you hope to have has to come through the senses. So therefore, it's good in that respect. Um, but detaching from the senses and living this false sense of everything that's good about love only happens internally. Like, you know, I'm beautiful inside, but I don't have to do a thing about my outside, you know, in order to, if so, it's not practical. In the ways of attracting another person, we have to groom ourselves. We have to be careful about how, we have to understand that externally we're expressing what's inside of us. Uh, but it works the other way, right? That's the point of, of the book, really. How you take, how you use your senses cre creates your internal um, understanding, not just the knowledge, but also just your whole attitude and disposition. So um, if you're using any of your senses unwisely, you are, you're bringing inside of you things that are negative. So uh, and then, I mean, we all do it, and then we just have to convert that negativity through whatever it is, prayer or confession or acts of mercy. You know, we have to convert these things. So it's a give and take with the senses, right? So you can't just be all, oh, God loves me for who I am inside, and he doesn't really care how I am on the outside, and vice versa. You know, you can't just make excuses for yourself because you can't control your senses. I mean, that's 
fundamental Christianity is we have to be in control of ourselves, which means our senses too. So makes sense. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> 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 With the sense of sight, uh, can you tell us a thing or two about what you wrote about the sense of sight? Uh, yes, yeah, sight. Uh, sight probably. Well, I hate to put put importance. They're all very important, but um, I think sight tends to be the most vulnerable because it seems to be the first line of defense, right? So how we, what we take in through our eyes and our eyes seem to be always the most active as opposed to our, our touch or, and I'm sure our hearing is too, but the windows of the soul, that's what I always think about when I think of eyes, the windows of the soul. So, um, you know, again, being practical about it, I'm, a man always has a choice to make with his eyes. He can, you know, what he's looking at when he's looking at another woman, you know, is he being kind about how he looks at her or is he being, um, you know, lustful mm -hmm. by overindulging with his eyes or, you know, and of course, maybe even pornography, things like this, you know, you're, you're, you're hurting your internal by using your eyes um, in, distorted ways for sexuality, you know, and uh, and again, whatever you take in is recorded and it's in there mm -hmm. and you can't get rid of it. So you always have to, they're weeds now, those negative things. So you always have to be converting your eyes to overshadow those weeds, you know, but um, but in the book, like I said, we're, we're, t we're talking about how we use our eyes when it comes to the opposite sex, right? So are we pure with them or are we, uh, oh, to use your term, the overindulging with, uh, you know, trying to, uh, um, or, or are we or are we negligent? Like we don't look at the person when we talk to him or her. Mm -hmm. We uh, don't give them that eye contact that is so, I think important to making the connection. Are we on our phone while we're having conversations with someone we're on a date with? I mean, you're always communicating mm -hmm. non-verbally. You, know, you may say one thing, but your actions are always speaking something else. So if your eyes are diverted and you're not giving someone the full attention, it's natural that that other person's going to think something negative about you. Like you're not this person is not giving me a proper attention or you're looking at other people as you're across from them at the dinner table. You know, it's like the football on. game. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Or like, get out of my way. I'm watching the game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. The eyes and what we do with them and what we don't do with them. Right. So, uh, very important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess that's a good example. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I've heard a theology body speaker say to to look at a woman in everything, you know, her body, everything, and and ask God what He's trying to teach you, you know. And that was in stark contrast to what I was, the way I was approaching things, which was custody of the eyes. And I lived by the beach, so I sat there and I, I'm looking at these women <clears throat> at the beach, and you can imagine how they're dressed. And I'm going, Lord, what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to learn? And I didn't learn a single <laughs> thing. And I just, 
<laughs> now, after all these years, I think probably there wasn't a whole lot to it. Like, yeah, you know, custody of the eyes would work pretty well. Look, look at her in the face if at all possible, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. While not being afraid to appreciate God's creation, but she, we always have to remember she's a person. I think that's mm -hmm. the important thing. Is very, it's, very it's, true. Yeah. I do that with my sons. Well, all my kids really like, especially like we go to the movies, and it's like, well. You're hard pressed to find a movie anymore that doesn't have a scene or two in it. So it's like I, I have to teach them to, you know, you got to close your eyes at certain points or mm -hmm. cover them. You know, uh, yes, you can make a choice just not to see certain movies and all, but there's a lot of good movies that have this one or two scenes, and it's like, and I'm, I just think it's much more mature. In, in the age that we live in, it's a much more mature approach to to say, work on your discipline. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to encounter women on the beach or for girls too. I'm not hate to just I'll put it all all the onus on men, but for men and women, you're going to encounter these uh, you know exposure of flesh in all kinds of ways. You're going to encounter billboards and and. Um, Victoria's Secret Story. I mean, every, you walk through life and it's just, it's there. So it's up to you to be mature enough to avert your eyes, okay? You have to learn that discipline. It's very much like Lent, right? Lent is a time where we purposely learn how to control ourselves. Right. Control what you eat, control how much you eat, control what you look at, you know? So... In a way, life is always just one big Lent, you know, at least in the age that we live in. It's like you have to understand that it's your job to avert them, not not make the world change so that you can walk through it. But you mm. have to change in order to walk through it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so don't blame the movie. Enjoy the movie. Just close your eyes. You, you know when it's coming. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it stinks that you have to do that, but um, it's not hard if you learn the discipline. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, I like that you use the word maturity because that's what always struck me, at, you know, was that I, I had heard that it custody of the eyes is for the immature, you know, that when you reach Christian perfection, then you can look at anything because you're right. so converted. But I like yeah. what you're saying that in this day and age, which I'll throw in the word hypersexualized, this mm -hmm. hypersexualized age, that that it's actually mature to um, use custody of the eyes when appropriate. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I mean, we don't want to scare our children in, into the world, you know. It's like, and it's not all as evil as we make it out to be, you know. Yes, there. Are, of course, evil has to do with motives, and I would argue that there's a lot of evil things that go on in the world that aren't motivated by evil, you know, so, but it's a shame because they are there, and that's a, because, that's because of the age we live in, a very godless, very distracted age where, you know, Christ is nowhere to be found. For many of these people, though, it's not their fault, so it's up to us who have Christ to first take the mature role and stop blaming the world, right. 
you know, if you can't handle it, then go into the monastery and disappear then if you need that. But if you're in the world, you've got to be able to have control of your senses. Right. You do. And and then once you have control, you can actually be more effective for the world itself and those who come into your path, right? I mean, I just think people, Catholics, non-Catholics, everybody got to stop blaming the world. The world the world is the way it is because there hasn't been enough prayer or enough effective Christianity. And that's just the fact. Right. It's us who are to blame, the Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, the world is, I mean, it's coming by storm because we're not effective enough. I mean, people may not believe that, but it's true. So until we get our act together, the world's going to be like it is. So instead of blaming and being afraid, just accept that this is it. I got to be out there and then just take take control. And I think this is the problem, Thomas, really. People are lazy. They don't want to do the hard work of living a Christian life. And I include myself. I, I like the easy way. You know, and if if it means like, oh, I don't I won't go do this because I I know that's going to happen all that. All right, fine. But it's it's laziness. You know, we we should uh, we should be excited, I think, to get out there and show people that it can be done. We can control. We can have self mastery. Mm -hmm. You know, does that make sense? It does. Do you do you have an example, you know, without going too detailed, but an example of where we might be lazy with the senses in particular, and then how to kind of the proper yeah. approach to it or better approach to it? Yeah, I guess. Um, well, I think of the weaknesses that come with being with uh, with uh, someone. Um, well, let's let's consider let's consider uh, some if you if someone is dating another uh, person and um, you know instead of the instead of understanding that if you're going to be alone in the same room with this person you're attracted to and they're (laughs) being alone with them and you're attracted to them is going to cause some problems of temptation Mm you know the lazy way is to say is to be presumptuous Nothing's going to happen. Yeah, so we can really do whatever we want and we can stop ourselves or nothing will happen. It's also the lazy way to not think about that kind of thing. Just assume that in the moment, everything's going to be okay. You know, the disciplined way is to foresee things like that. Like, I'm dating you. I'm attracted to you. Uh, I'm, I'm... I have temptations towards you either if you're truthful. Um, so when we go out, I'm going to make sure we're in places where it can't get out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't just go back to my place or your place. And um, and in the cases of the people I dealt with over the years on Ave Maria Singles, there's a lot of long distance relationships. So, you know, instead of just getting a place by yourself when you're visiting and bringing that person to that place. You go visit their, with their friends or what have you. I mean, I'm, I'm being generic, I think, in a way, but I think you get my point. We, we can foresee what 
can happen like a chess game, you know, what's, what's, you know, there's no laziness in chess if you're good at it, because if you're good at chess, you're able to foresee the moves ahead and, and get good at it. As Christians, we need to be good chess players, if you will, (laughs) in order to uh, be effective. Yeah, if, if exactly. If I have a client who struggles with chastity and he says, oh, my girlfriend and I are we're going to, uh, you know, wherever with with, uh, you know, with our, our families are going together to, I don't know, pick a place. And yeah. I already know ahead of time that the next session they're going to be saying oh, we had sex again. You know, <laughs> it's it's predictable. It's predictable. Yeah. You know, yes. Why, why the, exactly why put yourself in that position but but this is the point of the laziness they don't really want to not put themselves in that position they they want to wing it mm-hmm. and hope for the best and then rely on God's mercy when when something happens and um, and thankfully God is there for the mercy but but he knows our motives he knows our intentions if if we're not doing something else, as the next step to change that, you know, how sincere is that and, and how effective can the grace of that sacrament be from then on? Yeah, I think it's hard for people to wait. It's they want to be married while they're dating, you know, mm-hmm. and instead of waiting till marriage to do certain things, they, they kind of want to have it all. And I'm not talking about the 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 sex. Um, I am, but I'm not what I'm, I'm mm-hmm. saying. Um, there's a level of intimacy even that's not non-sexual that probably uh, we, we should probably wait till marriage and yeah. we want lots of intimacy, uh, emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, there's certain things that we shouldn't mm-hmm. do. Is there anything in your book as far as the, the senses? Yeah. Yeah, I, I well, some of it's in the books, some of it's in something else, but I mean, we're really talking about touch. Once you once you get to where you're touching each other, that's, um, and again, it's it's so natural, isn't it? And there are so many good things about touch: holding hands, right. hugging, you know, embraces like that. It's just very simply the discipline is: don't do anything that prolongs and produces stimulation, mm-hmm. <laughs> because then you fog your mind like like alcohol or drugs your senses (laughs) your your faculties get altered i call it the fogging of the mind prolonged intimacy prolonged touch that stimulates fogs the mind once it's fogged over anything can happen so um yes hold hands yes kiss on the cheek but but don't overindulge it, then stimulate it. That's a recipe for disaster. But you have to want to not do those things, you know? So in order to help that, um, I had written out a a meditation for um, single people one time where you considered a meditation on the crucifix, just, just gazing at the crucifix and considering the five senses of Jesus. Okay, so you consider his hands and his feet, which were pierced for us, you know. So, you know, what have you done with your hands 
where you walked with your feet, you know, that that are in direct con that are directly contrary to what Jesus used his hands and feet for on the cross. You know, so when you've overindulged with your touch, you know, consider he who, you know, mastered himself and what his mission was, uh, you know, he could have stopped that. Mm -hmm. um, his heart being pierced, his head, you know, our mind that gets all fogged over, his was crowned with thorns, you know, and uh, there's a lot you can do with just meditating on the crucifix over the five senses that Jesus had as a, in the human nature he took. And you know he experienced them, he even felt them, he, he, but he had to master them. Well, did he have to? I mean, he was God. He had mastery over it, but he was always giving us an example, always. And so, but I think you can really get, not only feel guilty, healthy guilt, guilt that leads to conversion of your senses by meditating on the crucifix about, you know, compare what you've done with your hands and feet to what he did with his hands and feet and head and heart. You know, it it changes you when you get into that routine. You start thinking about other people differently when you're dating them and even in your marriage, you know, can't do it in marriage either. Certain things and overindulged. You know what I mean? You're married, man. I'm a married man. It's it's it. It doesn't mean you have free reign. You still have to be charitable with the other and respectful and all these things. So. Uh, we can get overboard then too. So you're not off the hook when you get married, right? You, yeah. you go through your whole life learning these things and, and, and dealing with them. Yeah, I see it as preparation for marriage. It's like building mm -hmm. the foundation of, of virtue that's going to help you through marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. I Again, with my teenagers, I'm like, yeah, they're they're like you. You don't want us to date, or I'm like, no. On the contrary, I want you to date. I want you to practice. I want you to practice not being alone in a room with someone you're attracted to. Yeah, you know, I want you to practice that maturity because it's going to come in very handy as you get older and you get more serious about your life and your vocation. And then living it, you know, practice makes perfect, but we don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to send them out to the wolves either. But I, but so I'm very careful to use the, the right wording of these things and, and steer them the right way. And uh, this is a big problem with parenting today. There isn't enough of that being done, you know, helping steer these kids. Sometimes, and for Catholic parents, sometimes they're either just just make them afraid of everything so that they feel guilty about everything or don't do anything at all and let them figure it out and you know but it's the in-between balance that and it's hard work again laziness the lazy way out is the one of the two i just said mm -hmm. hard work of parenting really pays off you know so uh, i don't know how i got on that but it, it means a lot to me <laughs> you're a you could say a spiritual father to everyone who's reading your book and to everyone you've touched over the years with your blog and other ministries. And then you're, you are a father. And mm -hmm. so I was, I was wondering like, why, why were you meditating on 
the wounds of Christ and the five senses in the first place. And I didn't know if it was for your own love life or was it for your kids because of the people uh, you talked to? Well, well, honestly, it's, it's um, you know, it's just something that, you know, God inspires you as you do whatever work you do. And I'm working with single people. I'm always looking for, I was always looking for ways to help them because their, their pleas the play they have, and it can be really desperate and torturous for some of the, like, what do I do? How do I meet the right person? What have you? And my anthem was always, you got to change yourself. You got to work on yourself. You know, you got to be the person that you want to attract, the person who you want to attract. You got to be that person that they want. You got to work on yourself and be uh, worth the type of person you want to meet. And people don't want to do that. They, they want to just stay how they are and, let, and they want somebody to see that and love them and all. So a lot of hard work. So you start trying to come up with things. And just one day I was inspired to that while at Mass. I was just like, well, gee, there's Jesus hanging there. There are his five senses, you know? And, uh, and I was really overwhelmed at that moment of inspiration about the comparison of myself and what I do with my hands and feet and head and heart and what he did. And I, I felt that good guilt. I felt guilty that I can't take up my cross and follow him and can't, be, you know, you start you just go deeper. And then I came up with it and, you know, it's just, that's how these things happen. I'm sure you have that in your own work. Yeah, that type of thing. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, I was never on social media until May uh, at all. And it's all brand new to me. And so now I'm trying to tweet. You have to tweet these things that are insightful and wise that that's, I've learned. Um, so then I'll be meditating on the Bible. But I want to apply it to myself, and I am. But I'm immediately thinking, like, this is tweetable. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. That's great. Yeah, what a world we live in, right? We got to tweet things and stuff. That's uh, that's something. But that's great. I mean, you're you're embracing the way it is now, being mature about it, and um, and moving forward, doing the work. It's hard work. Social media is hard work. You know, you know. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's too hard, actually. But uh, you know, that's where the people are a lot of times, and uh, yeah. <laughs> are you gonna do? For or what are you doing to uh, promote your book? Uh, what's what's your plan as far as social media? I see that you have the landing page. What are some other things you're doing? Well, it'll be unimpressive to you to hear that I really don't do anything. I I kind of have. It's not my livelihood anymore. I mean, I have seven kids and I'll come in the college age and all, and there's really no money in books. You know, I hate to put it in that framework. Um, but I do have things to say in that framework. So when I put this book together, it was just something I just had some time to do and I wanted to get it out there. So now it's out there. And um, I don't know what to do with it any further with the little time I have to promote it. So, uh, um, but I just figure, you know, every once in a while somebody finds it, it seems. Uh, maybe I should be doing more, but I just don't have the time to. Does that make sense? So uh, it it's just one of those things. And, and you're so right. 
putting out a book, that's in a way the easy part, but getting it out there for people to know about it and all, it's extremely intense work. It takes a lot of time and ongoing time too. So um, I'm too lazy. There's there's the lazy again for the book. Oh. But um, but it's just a very, very side thing. So because um, I, I really want to put out, I have, a, I have 10 books I want to put out in this Lasting Love series. So, wow. um, from what I from what I hear, when you have a series, it helps catch things catch on better. So, having this one-off book isn't going to be that good. But once I get the second one and then the third one, and, go, and then it's like they play off each other, promoting each other as people find it. It's like a domino effect. So, I'm hoping that will happen and and it'll be fruitful at least somewhat. And uh, who knows? I don't know what tomorrow will bring with that. But for now. I did it. It's out. Yeah. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> well, thank you for the gift. And uh, also, you know, we ran out of time today, but thank you for sharing your expertise on Christian uh, dating today. Thank, thanks for being with us, Anthony. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's great to uh, be with you. So if you want to find out more about Anthony, remember to go to Anthony Buono, anthonyjbuono.com. Stay informed of upcoming shows and episodes of the show. Sign up for my newsletter at my blog site, healinginpeace.com slash blog. And if you want to find out more about my services, go to healinginpeace.com. My services include therapy for individuals, couples, and families via Skype and phone in six states, and also Catholic life relationship and family coaching available via Skype or phone for all residents of this planet we call Earth. I also have face-to-face -face therapy at my office in beautiful Carlsbad, California. And I am licensed marriage and family therapist, Thomas Schmier. And you've been listening to the Healing and Peace Show. Until next time, may God bless you with healing and peace. <laughs>